Good morning. My name is Steve Blummer. I'm the pastor of Family and Adults here at Hope Chapel. And I get the privilege of speaking with you this week and next week. Something central to my role here at Hope Chapel. Uh, Part of my role is primarily driven to reach multiple generations. Reach multiple generations. And here at Hope Chapel, I think we have a, a niche that we do a pretty good job at that in that we're reaching families with young babies, as well as those in their 70s and 80s, all worshiping within the same building. That's pretty impressive. That's not as common as you would imagine, especially here in New England. There's a lot of churches with young families, but those churches may not have very many in their 50s and beyond. In fact, a lot of church plants thrive within that demographic probably because the established church hasn't done a very good job administering to that demographic. In fact, if a couple statistics, if you think about it, is uh, there is about 7% of those who practice Catholicism are under the age of 34. Now, we're not a Catholic church, but Catholicism is a denomination that's thriving here in New England. In fact, one out of every three people, your coworkers, your family, your friends, they would be claimed themselves as Catholic, and yet only 7% of those who practice are under the age of 34. That's not very good. As Protestants, who we are, we're doing a little bit better, and then about 21% of those who attend regularly are under the age of 34. That's probably about where we are here at Hope Chapel, within that 21% or so. Now, they may not all be here within this service, and me personally think that that's a problem, but they are here within the building. When you think about established churches, we don't have a lot going for us. Someone claims that 85% of established churches in America are on the decline or are are plateauing, up to 85% of established churches. Now, part of that is because the culture has changed to where people aren't attending church regularly anymore. In fact, only about 20% of you will show up to church on a regular basis. And all that means is that if you weren't here last week, you were here today, but if you're not, or if you're here today, then you won't be here next week. It's just kind of the fact of of the culture these days. We added about 20 kids to Kids Connect this last year, but that doesn't mean that our attendance rose on an average of 20. Families just don't regularly come to church. So that's a thing we have to deal with. And most likely, you came from a church um, that no longer exists. They had failed to reach the next generation. Those are kind of the things that we come upon. So I feel a sense of pride that here at Hope Chapel, we're doing a good job in reaching multiple generations. But if I have any concern about that, is that there's a difference between being multi-generational and being intergenerational. Multi-generation just means we have different ministries, different groups, different events for the different generations. We have things for kids, things for teens, things for young adults, things for older adults. But I think we need to work harder on mixing those things. Now, some of those things are just going to happen naturally, and, and they're not something to worry about. It, it's great to have things for kids, things for teens, things for young adults, things for older adults. We, there's an opportunity where we get to just share life with each other uh, within the age demographic that we are, and we can share our certain struggles on all those things. Those things are going to happen naturally. But we have to be worrisome if there's never any crossover 
or no crossover from one generation to influence the next generation. And I'm not devaluing the ministry of kids' ministry or teen student ministry or collegiate groups. All those things are great, but I think that every generation needs to desire and needs to work harder at blending the generations together. I think of Psalm 148 and verse 12, and this is in your notes. I think it's on the screen. Psalm 148 and verse 12 and 13 said, Young men as well as young women, old and young together, let them praise the name of Yahweh, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty covers heaven and earth. Old and young together. If we have believed in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we believe in the same God. No matter whether you're 80 or 8, you're worshiping the same God. We're all a part of the same body of Christ. So we need to work on being connected together better. Now, when we talk about the older generation and the younger generation, this week we're going to be talking about the older generation. What are we supposed to do with the older generation? What do we need from the older generation? And then next week we're going to say, what are we supposed to do with the younger generation? And what do we require of them? So today we're going to talk about the older generation. Now, how am I going to define who is in the older generation? I'd like to think of myself not in the older generation. All right? I'm 41, but I know the teenagers and the young adults are saying, that dude's old. So for the sake of our study, I've looked at some other studies, and the age, don't hurt me, uh, is 55 and above. How many of you would admit that you're 55 and older? Great. Awesome. Great. If you're not 55, I hope that you saw someone who raised their hand because I want to talk to you about how you should look at that older generation. And then those who raised your hand, I'm going to talk to you about what we need from you. All right, so first of all, we need to honor and care for the older generation like family. That was the older generation's opportunity to say amen. All right? We need to honor and care for the older generation like family. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5. If you're using one of the Bibles in the chairs in front of you, this is on page 1009. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Paul's writing to this young preacher, Timothy, teaching him how to do ministry, how to relate to people, and he talks specifically about how to think about uh, the people within the church. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort or encourage him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and with all propriety, the younger women as sisters. Paul is teaching this young Timothy to look at everybody as family. Don't look at older men just as older men or older women just as older women, but look at them as fathers and mothers. Look at them like good fathers, good mothers, 
I think sometimes we have to add that adjective in because some of us may have a different view of what a father or what a mother is all about because we had a a skewed upbringing. But we need to be looking at older men as good fathers, as good mothers, these women. And if we continue reading in chapter 5, Paul gives us some specific instructions on how to deal with widows. How to deal with widows. He says we need to come alongside these widows, embrace them, care for them, because they have no family to help them. We need to be the family that they don't have. And this is such an undertaking to take on those who are true widows that Paul says you need to make sure that there's some things that makes them true widows because you can't just take care of everybody. In fact, those who are true widows are those who have no family. Those who have family, let the family take care of them. And if those family members aren't taking care of their older generation, shame on them. They should not call themselves followers of Christ. Paul uses some very harsh words here. We need to be honoring and caring for the older generation like family, especially if they are family. Now, I know some of us, we may not have great relationships with our family, but the Bible clearly calls us to honor our father and our mother, to to take care of them. It's one of the great Ten Commandments. It's the commandment with a promise that we would have a longer life. God isn't just giving us this promise because he wants to make sure that we do it. I think he's saying when you do it, you get so much value for yourself. You learn about life so that you can live a longer life. Those who have taken care of their mother and their father later in their life, I, I hear from them that they said it ended up being some of the greatest years in my life. Just being with my father and being with my mother and helping take care of them and and just learning from them. It's It's an opportunity where we gain a level of respect and cherish what the previous generation has done before us. You know, this building was built in 2005, 2006. Some 12, 13 years ago, whatever. And if you think about it, those who are coming here to worship, one third of them were either toddlers or babies or not even born then. We are living on the backs and the shoulders and the hard work of the previous generation before us. Some of you are still here. Some of them are not. The point is that people have, have, have done so much work and effort to get us to where we are, and we need to honor and care and respect them. Now, some of those things, I think, in in just coming alongside the older generation is just helping them do the things that they can't or don't want to do anymore. I love to see the older generation take the uh, connection card on the bulletin and just write something. Hey, you know, I need some help with this. And then those connection cards get swooped up by some younger or middle-aged adults. And and we just go over and we help the older generation do the things that they either can't or they just don't want to do it anymore. Things like picking up sticks when the snow melts. Things like stacking wood pellets. Maybe going over to their house and just making a meal and fellowship within them. Giving them some conversation. Whatever it may be. I'd really encourage those in the older generation 
to let us help you. You help us help you. Help us to know how to honor and care for you. I know you can do everything. You don't need any help. But let us help you. Give us something to do so that we can come alongside and just honor you and respect in you and, and care for you. So write something down. And then younger generation. When the older generation asks for some help, show up. Right? How many times have the older generation, they look, they need some help, and they just don't really trust that anybody's going to show up? We sometimes feed into that mindset that the younger generation, they're just lazy. They only care about themselves. They're selfish. Don't feed into that mindset. Show up. Be there. Honor them. All right? Well, not only do we need to honor and care for the older generation like family, but we need to seek and ask for their wisdom. We need to seek and ask for their wisdom. Deuteronomy chapter 32, in verse 7, in the Old Testament, says, Remember the days of old. Consider the years long past. Think about time before you. What was it like? Think about history. Not just what you read in a, in a textbook, but what was it like back then? What are some of the good things that you need to repeat? And what are some of the things that happened in the past that we need to make sure we don't repeat? Remember the days of old. How do you do that? Ask your father, and he will tell you. Your elders, and they will teach you. Ask your father, and he will tell you. Your elders, and they will teach you. We need to go to them and ask them, what was it like? What was it like growing up? What are some of the things that happened that we just don't need to repeat? Go to them, ask them. Now, we live in a culture where this is more difficult. I remember when we got in the car, kids, parents, we got in the car, and we went to Grandma and Grandpa's house, right? Christmas Eve would be at my great-grandmother's house. Christmas Day, we would go one to the grandparents' house. We would go to them. But we don't live in that culture anymore. Families are all over the place. We're all over America. We're all over the world. And we, we once in a while connect with each other, maybe on FaceTime or whatever it may be. It's hard for us to get together. We don't get in the car and we don't go visit the older generation. Sometimes grandparents, they're the ones who have to get in the car and go surprise their kids or surprise their grandkids just so they can see them. And grandparents and the older generation they're intimidated by the younger generation. They're not even sure how to understand them. What's going on? All this technology. They want me to get on my smartphone. All these things. I don't know that kind of stuff. And plus, these younger generation, they're the ones stealing my job. That's what everyone wants anyways. So there's a little intimidation factor. But the truth is that the younger generation is also intimidated by the older generation. Because how we view the older generation is that you grew up in a time when time was easier, was cheaper. You didn't have some of the things that we have to deal with. We look at you, and you've told us before, you bought your first house when you were 22. And here we are, 32, looking to move back in. So we're going to go to you and ask for advice. We already feel guilt and shame and all that kind of stuff. We're intimidated by your success. And so we have to figure out how to come together. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. 
But this verse encourages us that we need to go to our fathers. We need to go to the older generation. We need to learn from them. There's an aspect here that just seems natural. These things should just happen. And yet we've got to create programs and events in order to make this happen. For example, the men's and the women's ministries, they have breakfast. Men, they have men's breakfast the third Saturday of every month. The women, they have four or five breakfasts throughout the year. And I know the leadership in, in these groups, they would desire for the younger folks to join them for these breakfasts. But for large in part, they aren't. And we could talk about and point some fingers about reasons why that doesn't happen, but it's not happening. And what I want to say to you who are younger is that here is an opportunity for you to build a relationship with the older generation, to go to them and ask for advice. You've got to also step over and make some effort to be where they are. They're inviting you, so show up. Be there. And I know that me, myself, I'm not perfect at this either. I personally struggle with this. My family primarily still lives in Iowa where I grew up, and it's hard for a family of six to get on an airplane and go there because it's not like it's a tourist destination, so tickets are expensive. That's why it's just hard to get there. But I don't do a very good job in making phone calls. And I have three grandparents who are still alive, and I know the wealth of insight, hindsight, and encouragement that they have is fading away. And so I had to make some phone calls this week to my grandparents, knowing that I'm going to be preaching this message. And I still got to make one more phone call to my, to my grandma. And if she's listening online, I'm promising that I'm going to call you this week. We've got to do better about just reaching out to the older generation. I'm part of a pastor prayer group in Worcester, and there's three pastors over the age of 60. And it's just great being in a group of those guys who are just sharing ministry, but they're also just sharing personal health and marriage. What, what is life like in, the, in their 60s? And there's some things that I have look, to look forward to. There's some things that I don't want to look forward to. Um, but it's great to have that knowledge so that I know that there are things that I need to focus on now rather than trying to focus on, on them later. And that would have never happened if I weren't in a group with multiple generations. All right? Sound good? Things we need to work on? So primarily, I've been speaking to the younger generation on how to engage the older generation. And now I want to speak to the older generation specifically. What do we need from you? Well, what we need from you is we need you to remain faithful. We need you to remain faithful. Psalm 92, verse 12 through 15. Psalm 92. The righteous thrive like a palm tree. The righteous will thrive like a palm tree. A palm tree is, is a tree that can survive in the hardest terrain as long as it's got a small body of water connected to it. The righteous will thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon. A cedar tree that's, that's hard, it's tough wood, it, it's useful. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They thrive in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, healthy and green, to declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. 
we need the older generation to remain faithful to God. It may seem like the younger generation, they're just leaving the church, but we haven't all left the church. We're still here. And we need you to remain faithful, to give us an example. You know, for the young, it can be hard to trust God in the midst of troubles because we haven't experienced how God is faithful. But you have. You know how God is faithful. You know that there was moments of doubt, but then God showed up. His presence came. His provision came. God was there. You've experienced that. And we need you to remain faithful. It may be difficult for you to be involved and engaged physically as you once were. Maybe you're tired. You put your time in. But I want you to know that your time is not up. Your time is not up. We need you to remain faithful. We need you to plant yourself in God's word. Allow him to restore your soul. Being planted here in God's house. Being planted into a growing community of faith. It's important for you to remain faithful. For you to continue to bear fruit even in your older age. It's important for you to set an example. I think... You can sometimes get tripped up by looking at church and saying, well, church isn't the way it used to be. Someone stole my church. It's just not the same. It's hard to minister in a church like this. Well, let me tell you, the church, at least here at Hope Chapel, is still about reaching the lost with the hope, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's still about making disciples. It's still about connecting people into a growing community of faith to grow in our faith and knowledge of God. It's still about serving our communities and our world in love. That's what we're still about, and that's what we want you to connect with and to remain faithful to. I think of the story recorded in Luke chapter 1. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he's showing them who are the righteous ones that they need to follow. You can look at the, the church leadership. They're not the great examples. But then suddenly, right at that moment, there was someone who crossed their path and Jesus said, oh, I want you to meet somebody. I want you to, sh- I want you to look at her. Luke chapter 21, verse 1 said, He looked up and saw the rich dropping their offerings into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow dropping in two tiny coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all these people have put in gifts out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. Being faithful in the midst of life struggles is a powerful testimony. And it's a testimony that we need to witness with our eyes, not just hear about. To the disciples, it could have been just another lesson. It could have been merely words. But it was right at that moment that there was a real life example that Jesus says, look at her. She is faithful. She's the one who is being generous. She's the one remaining faithful to God. She's the righteous one. Follow her. I think about the two people who visited Mary and Joseph when they brought the baby Jesus into the temple. There's Simeon and Anna. We don't know Simeon's age, but it just says that he was righteous and he was devout. 
And God promised him that he would not see death until he saw the Messiah. Now, God made him this promise because he knew that he was devout and righteous with God. He was spending time with God. He was there at God's house. God knew he could trust him and gave him this promise. And he was able to see this promise fulfilled because he was devout and righteous and faithful to God. Imagine if Simeon said, eh, I don't feel like going to church today. You know, my back hurts a little bit. I've heard the messages all before. And he would have missed the opportunity when the Messiah came into the temple, the thing that God had promised that he would witness. There's Anna. Luke says that she was well along in years. It said that she was married for about seven years when she was younger, but then she was a widow for the next 84 years. This woman would be at the temple serving God, fasting and praying. And then when Jesus shows up, she praises God and she goes and tells everybody around all about him. Think about that. Hannah was faithful for 84 years as a widow, being faithful to God's service, fasting and praying. And then she got this opportunity to see God's hand work in miraculous ways. And she has to praise God. What if Anna wasn't faithful? What if Anna decided, I've put my time in. I've been there for 80 years as a widow. It's time for somebody else to do the work. I've been here for 81 years, 82 years. When is enough? Well, she needed to wait 84 years as a widow for her to witness this amazing work of God and to tell everybody about it. We need men and women to remain faithful being living examples, not just in word, but in deed and in action. You still have a ministry to do. Maybe your ministry is just to encourage the older generation to remain faithful in their older years. You know, I like to see the older generation just getting together and not only sharing struggles with one another, but proclaiming God's power in the midst of their struggles. I thought about creating this, this event where it happens once a month, and I was going to call it Senior Moments. It's moments where seniors come together and share what's going on in their life. I didn't think that'd go over too well being 41, and I'm probably right. But I would encourage the older generation, get together with one another. Encourage you. Encourage one another. How are you doing? We need you to be remaining faithful. You still have a job to do. You still have a ministry to do. Apostle Paul, he's writing to Timothy, but he also writes to another young pastor named Titus. So if you're still in this spot here in the Bible, just flip over a couple pages to Titus, all right, on page 1013. Paul's writing to this uh, Titus, another young pastor. He's teaching him how to do ministry. He's also teaching him how to relate to the multiple generations. And he gives them instructions on what the older generation needs to look like when we're talking about being faithful. Chapter 2, starting in verse 2, says, Older men are to be self-controlled, worthy of respect, sensible, and sound in faith, love, and endurance. In the same way, older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not addicted to much wine. There's a few messages there that we need to preach on 
what we need from the older generation right there. But it goes on to say, they are to teach what is good so that they may encourage the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be sensible, pure, good homemakers, and submissive to their husbands so that God's message will not be slandered. Likewise, encourage the young men to be sensible about everything. So there's things that we need the older generation to do. One of them is that we need them to remain faithful. But we also need them to lead. We need the older generation to lead. One of the things that I've learned is that most things in life are learned. Very few things come by instinct. Many things may become easy for you, but they're not easy for everyone. The things that I know I had to learn at some point. The things you know you had to learn. We often forget that there was a time in which we didn't know them. We just think we've always known them, but you didn't always know them. You had to learn them. And in order for me to learn what you know, you have to teach me. Somebody has to teach me. At some point, there's this baton that's being passed to another generation. This baton can go right into their hands, or it can just be simply placed on the floor, and hopefully they'll pick up the baton and do whatever they need to do. But in order to pass the baton and to win the race with intentionality, we need to practice. We need to do this on purpose, taking the baton, handing it to the younger generation, and then they give it back to us, and then we hand it off to them, and they give it back to us. There's this practice of going back and forth until they feel comfortable enough to take the responsibility of the baton and to run their leg responsibly. This takes practice. It takes coaching off the field before it can be ran on the field. What I think the church has primarily done in the past is that uh, people have taken the baton, they've run the race, they're running as hard as they can, they're doing a great job, and then they're tired and exhausted, and they put the baton down, and they walk away, and everyone who's left has to figure out how to pick up the baton and run with it. I've heard things like, well... No one is there to show me how to do it. You'll be fine. You can figure things out. Well, that's not a great plan. That's not a great progression plan. And so we need the older generation to lead us. Lead us. Show us how to do ministry. Show us how to do life. How do you remain faithful to God? How do you remain faithful to God with your finances? How do you buy a car? How do you buy a house within your means? How do you make a budget? How do you remain faithful to your spouse? My wife and I, we celebrate 20 years this June. That seems amazing to me. I'm talking to my grandparents because I told you I had to call them. They just celebrated their 60 years last year. 60 years. I said, how did you make it that far? 60 years seems such a long time. And so, and so we need you to teach us how remain faithful to your spouse, how to remain uh, loving towards our children, how to be kind, how to read the Bible, how to not be judgmental, how to not gossip, how to not badmouth, how to not to be a racist, how to self-regulate our emotions rather than self-medicating our pain. We need you to teach us all of these things. How did you do it? Well, it takes effort and desire on both sides to make this happen. We need the younger generation, including myself, to desire.
desire, first of all, and then to try hard on honoring and caring for the older generation and seeking out, asking them for wisdom. And then we need the older generation. We need you to desire and we need you to try harder to remain faithful to God and then to lead us. Those are some hard challenges. We'll talk more next week and how are we going to relate to the younger generation and what do we need from them. So let's pray. God, we are challenged by your word that we need to do better at being together, together worshiping and praising your name, worshiping you and and learning how to be faithful together. And God, let us, let us be thankful about how you are using us here at Hope Chapel to reach multiple generations, to have little ones as well as those who are older just being together. God, help us to know how to just honor and care for the older generation, to seek after their wisdom, and also how to remain faithful and how to continue to lead no matter our age. God, we need your help and direction in order to succeed. In your name, amen. Amen.